I mean, no offense to it. If you if you're listening and you like that game, tell somebody else why. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Ken Griffey Jr. Let's play Insert Credit. I'm Alex Jaffe, and if I could have any Zelda item in real life, I would choose the bunny hood. Ooh, uh, my name is Frank Cifaldi, and if I could have any Zelda item in real life, I feel like that hookshot would be really uh, handy for getting things that are far away. Everybody wants that hookshot. Yeah. Uh, I can't take the hookshot now because Frank has it. Yeah, so. yeah it's exactly. the default answer, and I'm right. first. So by being yeah. first, I get to get the default answer. That's, that's true. That's, 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 that's the only advantage of being first. My name is Tim Rogers, and if I could have one Zelda item, this is my joke about the year 2020. Are you ready for this? I'm mm. ready. This is, a, this is a 2020 Am I Right joke. If I could have one Zelda item, I would have the magic mirror. There you go. Does anybody Oops. get that from Link to the Past? Oh, is the that the one that, where you go into the dark world? The, the item that you use, well, no, when you're in the dark world, it ah. takes you back to the regular world. Get ah. it? That's oh, my 2020 joke. joke. Good joke. Pretty good. It's, it's excellent. So A joke so excellent, I had to explain it myself. Well, I'm Brandon Sheffield, and I've only really played Breath of the Wild, so I guess I would take the uh, that pot that you can kind of cook infinite things in. It seems like it would be handy. It's you, a good you, pot. You know, they sell those on Amazon. It's called the, the Instant Pot. <laughs> you can also basically get the glider from Breath of the Wild, so there's like nothing in Breath of the Wild that uh, you uh, you couldn't get in real life. Well, I guess the, the magic items, the, the yeah, magnetism. The yeah, I don't have slowing time I, down. You don't want to slow time down to a halt. I don't know. Not right now. <laughs> yeah, time's already of, pretty slow right now. Think of all the the crimes you could perpetrate against Wall Street and such. Yeah, that's true. I guess if I became a vigilante, that would be a pretty handy one. Well, all right, maybe you convince me. Bring the system down in about one second, probably. Sounds pretty good. Wouldn't okay. you want to bring the whole system down? I'm sold. You could be like. A really efficient protester, yeah. if you could slow down time. Yeah. Well, not bad. Speaking of slowing down time, Brandon, you have this week's question. Do you have something percolated, or do you want me to come back to you at the end of the show? Oh, I do? Yeah. You won last week's episode. Nice. Good for me. That's fantastic. Congratulations. I forgot about that. Uh, give, give me a little bit. I'll, I'll come up with something. Usually I got something ready, but um, right now I don't. So Okay, I'll hit you yeah. with a generic one then. Do you guys have any impressions from the Xbox Series X presentation, which just aired as we record this on July 23rd? I sure do. Give me that. Series X. So, man, it was, I would say of all of the big showcase shows that have happened so far. Uh Uh-oh. Here it is. What do you got? (laughs) Are we having a showcase showdown right now? This one, (laughs) this is is not a hot take, I'm afraid. Um, It just felt the most like one that I was supposed to be in a room full of screaming journalists with mm. because every one of these things was like a slow build cutscene. Oh yeah. That built to a logo and that was it. And it was man. like, we know you care about this here it comes. And I was like, I don't know, man, I don't, Reme- I don't know. Remember that Sony thing we watched where there was the resident evil eight, the village yeah. uh, build up mm-hmm. and we were clowning mm-hmm. on it right up until they, it was apparent it was resident evil. Right. 
Remember? Yeah. And then at, at which point we didn't exactly stop clowning on it. Well, um, but but we we at least uh, gave it the appropriate respect once it became evident that it was a Resident Evil game. Yeah. Um, I I had a moment that was like that sort of whiplash on this, where it was that trailer for that game, The Medium. Did you see uh-huh. that? Oh yeah. Where I saw it's, that. it's building up, and I say aloud in my hotel room to my tiny dog, "Imagine." Uh, working your way up through the video game industry for I don't know like twenty years, starting as an intern or a QA, and finally becoming the creative director of a game and being like, I want to make a game that's about the woods and uh, a creepy mansion and and uh, I don't know. I had a whole bunch of things and crows. There's like crows in the trailer, dude. Like just imagine that, right? And then I'm like, once they started showing the gameplay, which is that it's it's too two worlds that are existing at the same time and you can switch between them with the touch of a button uh, and each one is somewhat drastically different and I'm like oh I guess the gameplay and this looks really good but the trailer just made it look like kind of a generic Americana uh, zombie woods creepy nurse I don't know there wasn't a creepy nurse but... yeah it was like oh here's here's a silent hill is what I thought um... yeah here's here's a silent hill the movie the game the movie the game kind of thing and Where another like, another thing yeah. I thought watching that trailer is imagine, you know, working your way up for 20 years, uh, starting as an intern, you become a creative director, and you're, the company you work for is still called the Bloober Team. Bloober Team! <laughs> I gotta admit, I thought Bloober Team was dumb when I saw that name. And then after I saw the fullness of the game, I thought, ah, Bloober Team, whatever. It's you okay. know, like, they, they, they make good, hardcore games, but, like, Bloober Team is the... It's so, it's just so weird. It's such a bizarre thing. It doesn't make sense. It's a Super uh, Mario reference, I take it. Another it? situation that I felt with that, that Xbox was just like, so little gameplay was shown. It was really, really cutscene oriented, and it felt hard to engage with. Like, I was, lo- I was looking for yeah. scraps of things to be excited about, and I guess what, what I wound up being the most excited about was... uh the slow, the down-tempo emotions remix of DMX's X Gone Give It To Ya that they <laughs> that they put into that Crossfire X game. Pretty Did you good. notice that? Pretty yeah. good. Uh, it Ridiculous. ties into the letter X. Did you all see DMX and Snoop Dogg last night? Am I the only one who watched I that? I heard of No, it. what'd they do? No. Uh, they, they did a little rap battle thing on this Apple Music series thing. It was ah. real good. Check it out. You can find it on the internet. That's my recommendation that sounds for fun. the week. It was very heartwarming okay, to watch we'll them. Okay, we'll skip it at the end of the show then. To watch did, them did you... rap battle each other uh, as in a friendly manner. Uh, did you was, also watch uh, the the Xbox, the ID at Xbox little micro showcase? No. Was there something ch- sweet there? Well, it was like, I mean, it, it was the exact opposite of the major Xbox showcase because it was only gameplay. And every oh, nice. every single thing was like, here is what my game is. This is how it plays. This is what it looks like. Very and explanatory. Like, Very Ford and, Bronco trailer esque. Yes, and it, it was it was all just it was all just that for like thirty seconds each for twelve games, and then it was over. And Sounds I like felt six minutes. Like I learned so much more about about some the video games. games than in an hour of watching that Xbox thing where. 
I kept being like, okay, but what, what is this game? Just okay, like, t- so tell me, me what it is. Let me get in here while we still have some time left on this topic and say, first of all, they showed eight unbroken minutes of the new Halo. Uh, yeah, that's true. Which, I mean, that was, that was all gameplay. And uh, I saw some people on Twitter. Uh, I'm not going to name names. First of all, I don't think I'm ever going to tweet during a video game press event ever again because those tweets look weird when they get faved like two years later oh, oh i delete them good. i delete them about an hour after that's the oh, that's, trick that's a very good idea so i saw a bunch of tweets on twitter where i was just like ah you people i think you don't really care somebody being like oh this halo looks good but is this real gameplay it's like uh point dexter have you seen a video game lately they look this good man i'm sorry uh this doesn't look like anything out of the ordinary um number two i saw somebody be like uh very disappointed that forza Hara- or forza eight has a uh, they don't show any gameplay of it it's like man have you played a forza game they know how to make a god darn game every <laughs> single forza game they made is real darn good and they all run at 60 fps uh and the forza 7's uh 4k 60 fps man of course this new force is going to be good i think it's kind of a decent uh trade-off for them to show us a cutscene that is done in the real-time graphics and showcases the ray tracing and whatnot Oh come on! This topic is too big to end with a. Yeah, I feel like we need double time for uh, double for time a whole... on this one. You well, Brandon, Brandon, you can. Clock. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here, here, uh, and then the final thing that I I thought was good was uh, when they showed the fable, the, the fable reveal that rumored for a long time that there was a new fable coming. Basically, they confirmed two things. Number one was that it's by Playground Games, and if it's by Playground Games, I don't need to see gameplay because I played all those Forza Horizon games. And I know those guys know how to make digital crack cocaine. They know how to make a game that's got all the systems and uh, very well-designed levels and their, their track designs for a racing game uh, merge uh, know-how with action and adventure. And everything feels very, very cohesively, holistically put together in a Playground Games game. So knowing that they're making a new fable makes me think, I'll play an RPG by those guys. And then number two, the trailer revealed that it's got some kind of sense of humor. They're not trying to just make a, uh, there were rumors out there. I don't know if you all know, if you all ever go out there and you hear rumors that people have about video games, there were rumors that this new fable was going to be a little bit darker in tone. And it's like, what do we need another darker in tone (laughs) fantasy game for? We got Divinity Original Sin, which is slightly dark. We got uh, Obsidian making a dark RPG. We got this Elden Ring, Dark Souls. Man, we don't need another dark RPG. Uh, so I was, like, confirmed that there's some humor in the Fable game. Probably going to be very British and avuncular, and uh, probably no better than if Rare had made it. No offense. So uh, I'm willing to play it. The end! That's so, my take on the Xbox thing. So I'm, uh, I mean, I was really kind of w- wading my way through it because I was tired of cutscenes. Um, I did like that it, the Halo thing um, was was all that all that gameplay, although I really couldn't determine what accent that um, Master Chief's buddy was trying to do at the at the beginning. Was oh yeah, that, well it's a twenty that, it's it's a twenty sixth century accent. So. Yeah, I guess maybe it's supposed to be several at once or something. Yeah, um, Halo has always uh, uh, kind of celebrated a wide variety of constructed accents in in the game's NPCs. Yeah, uh, if you've ever little, played a Halo campaign, a little hard for me to bear. Ah. It, but I get what they're doing. I did kind of get some Xbox nostalgia because it reminded me of the 360 times when it, because I saw I saw some pop in 
<laughs> oh, in and the in the ha- in the Halo. In the Halo, I saw some some pop in. I saw some like something blew up and then pieces of that thing were floating like five in-game inches above the ground instead of laying on the ground yeah and like that's actually no shade on the game it kind of made me want to play it a little more because it brought me back to that time starting to wonder if they don't bake a little bit of jankiness into these demos i know that giving game companies credit for anything is usually giving them too much credit but uh, I wonder if they don't bake a little jankiness into these demos uh, lately. Because I've seen some suspicious things in a couple of gameplay demos on a couple of these show things lately. It yeah. would be weird to not just be running this on a really, really high-spec computer. Yes. If, yeah. the only, if there's no playable demo, you know, that mm-hmm. so if there's not an E3 follow-up demo. So I, I think I might agree. So uh, one one cool thing was they had that Ori Will of the Wisp game, which first of all I don't know how to care less about that game. Yes, but I love. <laughs> I mean, no offense to it. If you if you're listening and you like that game, tell somebody else why. That's my joke. <laughs> I'm joking. It's probably a decent game, though. Uh, they they said that it's going to be 4K 120 FPS, which uh, is wild because in order to do 4K 120 FPS, you need like an HDMI 2.1 display which uh i take it most of the tvs out there don't do that uh i yet. love uh, yeah not yet I'm, the tv i'm about to buy does which i'm excited about i believe frank is also about to buy the same i'd TV like set. to but they're, they're it's it's still a conversation let's put it that uh, way there's uh, two well, people that must make this decision so with this with this ori thing i don't know if it was just that the feed i watched was not 120 fps but i sure could they were like look at this side by yeah. side and i was like those look the same that's well you don't you don't, you don't have a display that does 120 yeah, you I don't do. have a display I guess that's not, what it is. neither do i neither <laughs> uh, the video editors probably did not it right. i believe it was not shown and youtube doesn't allow 120 fps right. live streaming neither does twitch so it's like anytime they do that i don't know how many digital foundry videos you all watch but they they do like a zoom in yeah. I show you the difference and some stuff all the time. And all the comments are like, WTF is with this zoom in. I can't see any difference. It's like, man, you kind of can, but also it's for illustrative purposes. I feel like they, they were doing a real slippery slope by bothering to mention the 120 FPS and zooming in on the graphics and slowing it down. I was like, ah, man. The ninety nine percent of people can't see the difference here, and I'm one of those ninety nine percent. But I appreciated it nonetheless. You know what I appreciated the most was what? the fact that Forza doesn't have a number on it. It's just called Forza Motorsport. They well, might put an eight on there. That's but that's I hope another, they don't. Like that's that's Microsoft's thing these days. It's like yeah. let's just keep rebooting it with the same name. Well, if they just don't put a number on it. And Forza is the perfect game to try this with. Yeah, just uh, keep it going forever, right? Just keep adding stuff to it and keep, I don't know, tune the graphics up a little bit later if you want. That's what Game Pass is for, man. I, I, oh. got, I, I got one quick observation since I didn't really get to uh, yeah, say okay. much, which is that uh, I enjoy uh, Obsidian going for Bethesda's throat with a, uh, a first-person RPG. Yeah, oh, did you cool. also notice that Obsidian, uh, I noticed on Twitter... That that Obsidian expansion for the Outer Worlds is written by the writer of the Outer Wilds. Nice, <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, like no joke, no joke. Uh, uh, that's great. They're very proud of that. I, uh, I suppose I'm, I'm going to play that. <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, okay. Man. Good job, Brandon, guys. do you have your next question yet? Yes, uh, but it's not going to be that far away from what we were just talking about, I'm afraid. So oh, nice. I had this thought while you know, going through this and thinking about other announcements that have happened in the last days that were a little more exciting to me. And Oh, are we in the last days? Did you just <laughs> did you notice? <laughs> yes. Oh, we definitely oh, are. The last ones. So I had this weird thought, like, what if this would never happen, but what if Microsoft was like, okay, Sega, you're in charge of the Xbox One X. We need to differentiate this thing. Sega, you're in charge. And then you would get like this um Balan Wonderworld game that just got announced by Yuji Naka and Naoto Oshima working together for the first time in 20 years. There's that Bomb Rush Cyberfunk game that is a uh, Jet Set Radio reboot that has this 15-second trailer that people must be hit and refresh on because it's already at 700k views after like 20 hours being online. So it's not so much a question as if this were real, do you think... Do you feel that the world is again ready for like a Dreamcast 2? Like Sega's got Sega's got control of the new Xbox. They're going to make it look a little cuter. There's going to be a bunch of colors. Play uh Fantasy Star Online 2 is on there. Mhm. Yeah, do you, like what games could we put on there? Like Ooblets could get on there, you know? I feel like there's so much post-apocalyptic stuff and people are starting to get tired of it and starting to push back against it because that's what the real world is you know if we got a dreamcast 2 maybe we could finally get Shenmue 3 out just a thought <laughs> oh good joke <laughs> yeah anyway yeah i mean what do y'all think about that idea like could it actually work in I mean, 2020 my my first thought is that i don't I, I i can't visualize a substantial difference between what you're describing and the switch uh, the switch is sort of the blue sky causal right now and and you know has it has some of the the gross zombie stuff that that the the big boys got but uh for the most part i think it's you know the the nintendo game cute cutiness separates that system from the other two in my mind so i guess i would say the difference is cute but with an edge no um that's <laughs> <laughs> stupid but um I, I, th I think be... I think those differentiations were a lot clearer back Definitely. in the old days. Definitely. And, no, that, and that, I think, wasn't, yeah. that wasn't a serious thing. What I actually think would be the difference is Sega is in charge of commissioning the titles for this and approving the titles for this. Like it would be it would be like I guess it would be kind of like the switch, but with outreach to developers and funding to developers to make many games that would fit this mold. So that's why Microsoft is involved, you know, like instead yeah. of buying Obsidian, they bought Platinum. And instead of, you know, having the exclusives all be first person shooters, basically, there would be, you know, a crazy taxi and a jet set radio and a fantasy star online and, and that kind of thing. And a Blinks uh, the Time Sweeper and yeah. uh, a Lost Odyssey and Blue Dragon. That's right. right. Uh, Phantom Dust 2 comes back, you know. Yeah. I'd be all for it. I think they should also get uh, Yuji Naka to make a new platform game. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, it looks pretty... I think it looks pretty good, that Balan Wonderland thing. I thought it was pronounced Ball Ann. No, I'm just well, kidding. I don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced. Ball well, they, Ann? So they Ball pronounced Ann, it Balan, and then the English trailer calls it Balan. Like, it's Alan with a B on the front. <laughs> Balan? Balan? Balan. 
Ah, that's a really bad name. It is. It is. But uh, that game, that game looks legit. Yep. It looks, it looks like good. Sonic Adventure Three, basically. Yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel like there's maybe it's not a huge market, but I feel like there, there is a possibility of differentiating yourself here. It really, maybe it should just be the Switch Two, but I don't think Nintendo would ever be like, okay, we're gonna buy these companies, we're gonna, we're gonna try to build an aesthetic for this platform. It just doesn't. Aside from their own games, I don't see Nintendo doing that. Yeah, I just, I don't, I, I think the '90s were a long time ago. Let me yeah. check the math on that. I mean, <laughs> that's true, but I'm, you know, I'm looking at the. I mean, I guess that it's a, it's, it's probably my bubble, but I'm looking at the buzz surrounding these Sega E titles and things that are coming out, and I'm finding that it is right. But they're coming out. You know what I mean? Like a, another system existing doesn't. No, just, well, of, you know, like course. like it's already happening. Well, we're 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 not discussing whether <laughs> consoles need to exist because that right. <laughs> like that's a, that's a separate whole separate thing. But if uh, you're you're asking if Xbox just kind of leaned into that, yes, by resurrecting Sega and putting them in charge, yes. Well, not Sega, that Sega's, Sega's gone, but I don't Sega's think Sega is ready for that. Yeah, I, I don't think they're ready for that. I, I I think it'd be a way to try to differentiate. Yeah, it's just to, uh, to me, it's not leaning into cuteness; it's leaning into video games. Yeah, and I can see that actually. Uh, but again, when I'm thinking about it, it's like, well, that's Nintendo. Nintendo's games are just like, look at these video games, right? Except it's yeah. just Nintendo by themselves. Like that with right. the, with the Switch, they. They literally don't care what comes out on it. Yeah, Nintendo doesn't like commission second parties or whatever. Yeah, to, yeah, to expand the library. Yeah, so um, I mean, I guess this is maybe it's really my vision for the Switch too, is that Nintendo and Sega team up. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I think would actually be kind of smart is what everybody was theorizing about way back at the beginning of the Xbox when the Dreamcast, uh, yeah, when the Dreamcast died, and then we had Jet Set Radio Future, Panzer Dragoon Orta. Gun Valkyrie. We had a bunch of these weird Sega style video games coming out on the original Xbox. People were like, "What if Microsoft bought Sega?" Yeah, maybe they should. Man, yeah, I'm yeah. just they looking at everything this, else. I'm just looking at this Balan Wonder World, which I realize is a Square Enix game. Yes, and I'm just like, this is the kind of game we'd have a lot of if Microsoft would buy Sega. Yeah, just and you know, a, I was also thinking about the old 360 days, and Microsoft was just like bailing money in front of Japanese game studios to make weird nonsense and and we got like quantum theory which was not great but I'd play something else like that or or you know never dead or any of these other just uh bullet witch these that wasn't they didn't give them the money for that but like that was a time it's of the game that happened yeah it yeah just... these games just they they wouldn't have existed otherwise kind of thing and um that's I guess that's what I'm looking for for more of is games where you feel like this wouldn't have happened if a bunch of people hadn't really tried to put this together, you know, and which it sort of Balan Wonderland feels like. Good old Balan. Gotta love that guy. Or Wonderworld. I keep wanting to call it Wonderland. Yeah, it's uh it's a it's gonna be a difficult title for a lot of people to remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I imagine here's our next question. Oh yeah. What are the best games to play when you're in excruciating pain? Oh my god! Well, I'm in excruciating pain right now. Uh, I, I requested a question of this sort. We've talked before about games to play when you're sick, and my opinion is to play easy, straightforward RPGs when you're sick. But being in excruciating pain is different from being sick. 
right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You want to be distracted, not placated. Yeah, yeah. So there's a game that I want to play right now, and I was thinking of this last night when I when I mentioned this question. So here it is. Last time I was in pain as bad as I'm in right now, which uh, it's thankfully I took a bunch of pills and I'm loopy right now, so I don't really feel it as much. But I, I have shingles, which is uh, I don't know if you know anybody knows what shingles is. It's a, it's a nerve disease. Basically, if you had chicken pox when you were a kid, decades later, it can come back because chicken pox never leaves your body. It buries right. itself in your spinal nerves. <laughs> I don't My know mom if you knew had this. shingles. She did not enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let me tell you. I've never felt pain like this. There were There are hours of the day where it is a constant... I would describe it as a dental pain. Like a Oof. like a root canal without Novocaine. Yeah, pain kind you can't pain. escape from. Yeah, and I mean, there's a rash. Uh, when you describe shingles to someone, they go, oh, that's a rash, right? It's like, no, th- there's a rash involved. But it, be- it begins with the nerves. So I've got this horrible pain that does not require any friction or whatever. Anyway, I was just yesterday sitting here, loopy, unable to get any work done. And all I wanted to do was, and this is apropos today, I just wanted to drive laps around Le Mans in my Ford GT in Forza Motorsport 7. And I can't do that because I'm, I'm stuck in a hotel and I don't have my consoles, right? So here's what I want, Microsoft, is just put a PS2 version of your Forza Motorsport game on the Nintendo Switch. I'll still play it <laughs> on my Xbox, on Game Pass. Just put it on my Nintendo Switch. Make it look like a PS2 game. Give it the same 60 FPS, and just let me uh, let me still save my money from doing my laps. Cause you get money just for doing laps by yourself. That's how they get you. You know, they just, could. Uh, we could get a new Outrun. That's what we could get from oh yeah, from my from my fantasy for Xbox console here. We can get we can get another. Yeah, outrun. that would be a thing. A big budget Outrun. Yeah. See, that's I'd that's play the what, heck out of that. That's what Forza Horizon is, right? Except the aesthetic is wrong. Imagine, yeah, imagine those people making an outrun. I would yeah, love if, it. I, I think it would be cool if they made a Forza Horizon game, but they made it... I don't know if you've played Forza Horizon, Brandon. I think you would enjoy the gameplay aspect of I it. I played it a little not. bit. The, uh, the, uh, the aesthetic of it grates a little bit, because yeah. it's got the very British, and it's very... Te- like festival electronic music as, as an aesthetic mm-hmm. which is just bonkers blows my mind it's like lord who cares who wants to think about a music festival much less play a video game <laughs> about beautiful cars that is set at a music festival just make the music cool you don't have to explain it with an in-world thing i think it would be cool if they just made an outrun called it outrun but it was just a forza horizon game and it just had good music in it yeah. That's what I think they should do. With with big pain and sickness, I have a hard time with anything where the camera's perspective shifts. Like I can't play a first person shooter when I'm in pain because my eyeballs start to vibrate or I don't know, it reminds me of Vibrals. Pain vibrating yeah, eyeballs. My, my vibrals start to vibrate. For me, I'm not I think it's gotta be more of like a top-down kind of a thing where the camera doesn't move. That might just be particular to me, but I'd I'd have to play like a 
a 2D game, I think, when I was in a lot of pain. Although I want to be immersed in a world to kind of get me out of there. So I don't know. It's a tough one. What do you think, Frank? Well, I, I, I think that I don't want to be immersed in a world if I'm in pain. I just want to be distracted from the pain by having to concentrate a lot. Mm. Um, Puzzle games, maybe? Maybe. I just, I don't generally like those. Um, okay. But I, and, and same with driving games. I don't generally like driving games, but I think that's a really good answer because uh, I th- I think the the best way to distract yourself from the pain right is to just have that constant adrenaline i dated a girl once who whenever she had she had really bad period cramps and when she was on her period she just played a lot of WarioWare oh. to distract herself from the period cramps because it was just a lot of just quick thinking Ooh. adrenaline like her, her brain could only focus on the game kind of thing and so frank made... for you it might be oendon uh yeah it could be yeah oh Wendon. i do like that one it's, it's comforting to me to, yeah. to play those games. Uh, Oendon really or well. Elite Beat Agents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of those. All three of them. Oh my my game is Tetris when I'm in pain. Oh, painful Tetris. My, I... my new fantasy game console is going to have Oendon on it and also a new uh, Phoenix Wright. So I'm, I'm getting Capcom in here. You should put out a full list of your release games on your fantasy console on forums.insertcredit.com. <laughs> oh, heck yeah, I will. That's... Actually, Jaffe, that's Tetris effect would be awesome. Yeah, pain, I feel that's mm-hmm. a good a good answer. All right, that's my pain good one. Games. Point to me. So Next as question. I always say, no pain, no games. Oh, <laughs> they do go. always say that. Speaking of, of games, we're going to play one of my favorites right now: the adaptation game. This oh, nice. is a topic where I give you something to adapt into a video game, no matter how unlikely. Your task this week is oh, yeah. Herman Melville's Moby Dick. Oh, Herman Melville's Moby Dick. I've pitched a game based on Herman Melville's Moby Dick. <laughs> I was about to say, I think Brandon and I are just going to sit this one out. <laughs> oh. I mean, I've, I've, I've pitched a game based on this, and then uh, I pitched it to Devolver, and uh, they were like, they were loving it, and then uh, I, 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 I couldn't get anybody involved in my, uh, what do you call it? I couldn't get anybody involved in my video game development studio, as it were, to... <laughs> To uh, uh, to to believe that these people were interested, and uh, therefore we ended up not making any kind of a demo. But I wanted to make a sin and punishment style game that was just you're just shooting whales, man. Oh, I remember it's, this. You were you, you were like harpooning everything, yeah. Yeah, called Moby Dick Two or the Whale Two is the name of the game. I remember this. Yeah, you were living in uh, just on the cusp of Oakland, um, Emeryville at that time. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Down over place. on a on Adeline. Yes. Uh, at a, in a in an apartment that now costs, uh, according to my little, just every once in a while, while one is sitting in a, well, one sits in a hotel room trapped in Times Square of a pandemic, uh, ousted by one landlord and ignored by the next, waiting for something to happen to allow them to move into a new apartment. One often looks at apartments in other cities just as a kind of comfort food, absent a driving game to distract me from terrible shingles pain. So I was looking at my old apartment in Oakland just last night, where there are two units available for $3,900, which is a lot more than I paid. And it's my ex- my exact unit is available for $3,900 right now. For that? That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, baby. I mean, I got to say, the, the place out back of mine, which is an actual 
two bedroom house with a yard is twenty nine hundred. So yeah, something's going on over there. So in other words, we need to make a Moby Dick game that sells real well right. yeah. in order to uh, in order to move uh, into one of those apartments. <laughs> I keep talking about when we get the money from this next game that we're making, oh, yeah. um, but you know that's probably not going to happen. But uh, that's that's basically the only way to think about having a comfortable way to live is like maybe this game's going to accidentally make me rich. But so uh, I, I actually have a game design document written up for Moby Dick Two or The Whale Two, and uh, I'm so meticulously organized that I have just opened it on my computer. <laughs> I won't read you the whole thing. But I will say it's a sin and punishment style shooting game with projectile reflection. And uh, what I describe as a spaghetti of whales is uh, in the game. Um, and I have I have a, a, a list of the uh, of the of the stage names. Does anybody want to hear me list the, the stage names? It. Yeah, here we go. Uh, stage one, a coincidence of whales. Stage two, a sickness of beasts. Stage three. Meanwhile, our shattering animals. Stage four, bleeding, breathing, sweating, screaming. <laughs> uh, stage five, the omni-creature, awake. Stage six, the monster supreme. Stage seven, every elephant that has ever died. Wow. And, and stage eight, the light we leave in the darkness behind our children. Okay. There you go. So, uh, Blaine Brown, I want you to roll an eight-sided die, and whichever one comes up, that's the title of the episode. <laughs> oh, baby, the sickness of beasts! But uh, yeah, that's that's that was that was part of my pitch document that I that I sent to Devolver with no art of any kind. Uh, There's just no art. He was like, "Send me some art, dude," and I was like, "Ah, you want art?" Basically, it's all I could all I could really scrounge. Out. So, just since a, you've already thought this out, how would you adapt Bartleby the Scrivener? Bartleby the Scrivener? Oh, well, uh, clearly, Scrivening is uh, is one of your main. Yeah, I mean, it's too bad the, the DS doesn't exist anymore because you could scriven the heck out of yeah. out of some mm -hmm. stuff. Well, yeah. Bartleby yeah. the Scrivener doesn't do any scrivening. That's the point. Ah, uh, he scrivens off camera. <laughs> That's right. He's scrivening oh. off camera. He's scrivening in his heart. <laughs> He's scrivening in his heart. Uh, with that, I think we'll go into the break. We'll be right back after a short interlude. You know, it's a it's a pee party. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, actually, peeing sounds good. I'm gonna do that. Welcome back to Insert Credit, the show. Here's our Patreon question, which I ask every week from our listeners who take the time to go to patreon.com slash insertcredit and kick us a little bit of money. Your donations help improve the quality of the show. You bought me this brand new microphone, which hopefully improves the quality of my voice. We'll see how it goes. Uh, every week, you can get episodes one day early. One or, day early? Yeah, or submit your own questions uh, just by subscribing at any level. This week's question comes from Breadface. Breadface. Breadface? Well, it's not his real name. It's his real name. His real name is Breadface Sheffield. His name Bre is Brad Fawcett. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, Breadface. Says, Briad. 
<laughs> Pre-Ed Fosse. That's it. Pre-Ed Fosse says, My partner has been playing video games for the first time and seems to be drawn to ones where the environment can be destroyed. What are the most Uh-oh. satisfying video game environments to pulverize? Hmm. Minecraft, dude! That's a joke. That's a joke. Good joke. Um, Earth Defense Force. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, that, yeah. you're just blowing up buildings by, like, shooting a bullet at them, and then the bu- buildings crumble. You That's, know what? I, I played the latest Sandlot developed EDF game on uh-huh. the consoles on the PlayStation 4 last year-ish. I played it for a stream when I was... Earth the, Defense Force 5. Earth, Earth, Earth DF 5, yeah. DF, DF, big EDF. I played it, and uh, it's a game that is very influential to my own personal style of enjoying things, uh, that Earth Defense Force series. Uh, there's a little more than a little bit of Earth Defense Force in my uh, upcoming video game, Moby Dick 2, or The Whale 2, published by Devolver Digital. Uh, more than a little bit. But uh, I, was, I was actually, I almost used the word humiliated. I was humiliated to discover you can no longer just blow up a building by shooting it with a rocket. What? Yeah. Oh, you can. You just have to shoot it with more rockets than, you could, than before. Uh, it's just not as funny anymore. It's, it's it's true that it's less funny uh, to blow up a building because it it takes it takes more work. But you know, once you one of the constant consistent problems with Earth Defense Force is that it you have to play it too many times to get the good weapons. Uh-huh. And once you do get the good missiles, then you can you can do it as normal. But it should start you out just being like, we got to save the city. Meanwhile, you're going. Pfft! and just blowing up all the buildings around you. Like yeah, that's... There, there was a little ludonarrative dissonance, I believe. Indeed, yeah. the, and they should be highlighting that. Although, there was a ludonarrative disson- dissonance highlighted in another way, because, um, I don't know how far you got, but it, at the beginning, they're like, oh, the aliens, they look like us. That's so strange. I don't want to kill things that look like me. And they're these giant frogs. <laughs> they're these Whoa, really? huge frogs. and and then. They're like, I bet water is what hurts them. Yeah, that's probably right. And they're frogs. <laughs> and and then later in the game, yeah, that's uh, later in the game. That's a little bit. What you got there is a little bit more than Ludo narrative. Yes, I would well, say. wait, wait for the second part. Uh, let's this hear is it. the real kicker, which is yeah, let's hear it. Later, there are other giant aliens that are completely humanoid that are more like you know the the classic gray aliens, Ultraman. And oh. then all the EDF soldiers are like disgusting. I can't believe <laughs> oh, that those no. things are here. So they clearly like messed up when they were going to either when they were going to say that stuff or when they were going to re- reveal which alien type, because they're definitely talking about the opposite ones. Right. But uh, it's fantastic. It's it's really it's really good. Like once you get to that second part and have that realization that they were talking about the wrong aliens the whole time, it's just I don't know. It's perfect. It's pure. It's pure EDF. That's pretty good. Is it just, uh, is it basically just like the video, the audio files are in the wrong place or what? It's got to be something like that, it, but it feels, they actually wrap some narrative around it. So it feels more like they just changed the order of the levels or something and, and didn't think about how that would affect it. It's, I don't know. And I have to say the, uh, the like in-game banter that they have, which is always semi- generated generative feeling like they're just um putting things together had some great moments in this one where there was one like why did you decide to join the edf and the the 
answer is, I simply chose to do so. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's uh, a story. It's good stuff. Anyway, that, that game rules. So what, what's, what's, the, what's the good one, though? Is it like the one that I know, I believe, was on PS2? Is maybe the second one? EDF2 yeah, is bonkers about blowing stuff up. Yeah, yeah I just shoot, remember like I could shoot like a machine gun at a skyscraper and it would and, like yeah. ten ten bullets maybe and it would destroy itself. You could oh. jib that skyscraper. The yeah. uh the what do you call it? The the Vita remake of that is probably the best okay. quality one that you can play. Also that one when you were playing uh online, it had little emotes that you could do, but they were all preset and you could set one to a button. So I was just running around spamming, I love tanks, I love tanks, <laughs> regardless of the situation. It can was you do that like, offline also? Um, you, you can do it offline in like a Bluetooth match with somebody, but not just single okay. player, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's the right recommendation. Like what was hilarious to me is that all these buildings just are real. Like you could walk up to them and just run up like the fire escape yes. and it's all in there. You know, for no reason. There's no there's no in-game reason to go up that fire escape. But it's all there. And then you just step off the building and blow it up. I also Another... love how in that in those earlier games, they were like, here we are in New York, and they ha and they have buildings, apartment buildings, the type of which are only made in Japan. Like only there. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and they're they're just like, it's in Europe. Those apartment buildings in Tokyo are so good. Uh, they're so well made, so well built. They last so long. You go into one of the units in one, and you're like, "Oh, it's a fully functioning house, and it's got nice thick walls, and the floors are nice." That if you live in Japan, you probably just assume everywhere in the world has those. Yes. Whereas uh, you just it, you just take it completely for granted. It's like a dictionary definition apartment building. And then no, nope. you have no idea what it's like to try to find it. You think finding a house in the Bay Area is hard, man? New York is nuts. That's all I have to say about that. EDF. Also, Crackdown 3. Play Crackdown 3. Crackdown 3. You can blow oh, up cars, and they, they blow up real good. If you like EDF, check out Crackdown. I got a question for you. What are your favorite video game conspiracy theories? My favorite video game conspiracy theory is, why is Crackdown 3 free on Game Pass? <laughs> <laughs> and nobody's played it! All of the reviewers hated it! They all gave it 5 out of 10, 6 out of 10. Uh, and then uh, all the Xbox fanboys cried, and Sony won. Why did that happen? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, I don't have my... I still haven't plugged my Xbox in. I probably, I'll probably do it. Maybe this is the year. Get a Series X. I guess. Trade it up. Maybe I will. <laughs> you know that Xbox you've never plugged in? Buy yeah, another, get another one. one. Okay, well, trade it up, man. Trade it up. Trade the old one in. I can't. It's a it's a dev unit. Uh, well, that's Series X, or as I call it, Series X. It's got ray tracing. Boom. Yeah. Uh, Everybody loves good. ray tracing, right? Again, is I now know show? what ray tracing is, uh, and let me tell you, yeah. it's pretty good. Good old Raymond tracing. Once so what know, were we talking about? Oh, we uh, conspiracy conspiracy theories. Theories. Yeah, right, right. Ray tracing might as well be a conspiracy theory at this point, though, huh? I mean, the dumbest one is uh, the the Yakuza taking out uh, Gunpei. Oh, right. Gunpei Okoye, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He got hit by... He, it, was, it was an unfortunate and terrible accident. You know, yeah. I, have to, I have to admit an earlier folly in my journalism career. I asked someone about that, 
because which I, you know, if I really thought about it, I would have realized that was not probably not a cool thing to ask about. (laughs) But the person who I asked about that was so he's like, I am extremely offended that anybody thinks this like his death is so tragic that to turn it into some kind of stupid conspiracy is just like the ultimate insult. He he died and it sucks. So uh, get over yourself. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Fair enough. I deserve that. Yeah, that's a bad one. Yeah, that was a bad. It should just. But that that was like, I don't know. It was earlier days at that time. And a lot of people thought that it might really be true. Um, that doesn't make it any better. But that's sure. just how it was. I mean, real answer maybe is is uh, the conspiracy theory of of uh, game reviews being paid for. I think is kind of silly. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, well that um, one is uh, quite prevalent, uh, and it seems to be very very widely believed by a slightly more intellectually diverse uh, group of people than you think. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I uh, I get slammed with it daily. I get slammed with accusations of having my reviews paid for which is i i mean i did do a three hour and 18 minute positive review of the final fantasy 7 remake that i guess people thought i must have received god they must have paid you so much yeah they must i mean so first of all i'm used to them saying that i must have been paid but i wonder how much they think i got paid for that probably a lot right probably like hundreds of thousands of dollars is probably what they think give me some big production yeah. I'm flattered at the presumption, I gotta say. Man, I know there are some real good ones lingering in the corners of my mind that I cannot access at this time. Something that I earlier thought was a conspiracy theory, which turned out to be true, was that Sony basically got the idea for making the PlayStation from from Sega. And the way that that actually played out was like, Virtua Fighter and Virtua Fighter 2 came out, and Sony was like, you know, they were they were working with Nintendo to make a CD based system at that time. And then mm-hmm. they saw that and they're like, well, heck, everybody loves this 3D stuff. We got to do that. And so they just went around and talked to all developers and were like, what do you think about that? And they're all like, heck, yeah. This, and, it uh, just comes from that same stupid place that just people think ideas are gold. You know, right. like, oh, exactly. 3D. I had the first idea for 3D. Like, it's <laughs> not, yeah. it, it, shut up. Yeah. Congratulations. Like, it. Uh, I mean, it's it's just a dumb comedy, whatever. But I saw the movie Hot Tub Time Machine. Nice, HDTM. Yeah, and the end of this movie, one of the people spoilers. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the spoilers. Spoilers for Hot Tub Time Machine end after 65 seconds, or at timestamp 47:50. Podcast resumes in three, two, one. Yeah, one of the people ends up staying in the past. In order to, when the movie catches up with itself, be rich in the present. And the way that he's rich is that he had the idea for Google. <laughs> nice. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that makes me see. I know. It's, it's very upsetting. <laughs> Frank just sitting there, like, squeezing his, his, his beer. I'm imagining you were holding a huge beer stein. And you squeezed the handle so hard it shattered. Yeah. Like he, he just parked himself on the URL Google.com. <laughs> oh my god. He had the idea for Google. Lord. Ah the worst. There uh, is no idea for Google. There, I know! Already, there were already search engines that were hand curated by human people. Like uh, uh Google was just 
what it was it was technology it was it was a million different it was a hundred different pieces of uh of software engineering converging on uh, one purpose i know there's no idea yeah there's man no, uh. ideas are ideas are horrible okay here's one um there was long ago a theory that if you fulfilled certain conditions in Final Fantasy VII... Uh, you should have remembered it earlier. I'm sorry. We're out of time. Uh, can, well, can we I might get our this? wish after F- read that 15 one. seconds. All right. Oh, it's it's basically what Tim said. Is is just that we may get our wish. Like, they may wind up becoming correct. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and my money's on it. Yeah, I, I think I, the statute of limitations is up. Here's my prediction. The next, the sequel to the Final Fantasy VII remake is going to be called Final Fantasy VII III. That's my prediction. Okay. Spoilers for the future Final Fantasy remake sequel end after 10 seconds or at timestamp 4849. Podcast resumes in 3, 2, 1. There we go. I think Cloud's going to die instead of Aerith. That's just what I think. Nice. Whoa. Whoa. Spoilers. (laughs) There you go. What's our next question, Jackie? The next question is, has a video game ever made you feel like throwing up? Well, I, I earlier I was talking about how when I'm sick I can't play games where the camera shifts around and stuff. Yeah. So yes, <laughs> you know I, I've, I have had this happen exactly once in my life, and it was recently. So I've never had a problem with 3D. Yeah, I've, I've never had a problem with VR. Actually, no, there was a VR time that made me want to throw up, but uh, uh, maybe I'll get to that. But very recently, when I was playing games on that that humble charity bundle, uh, and this is not a slam against this game because I think this game's probably very interesting. Something about the combination of the colors and the camera and the music in a game called Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor. Wow. Made me want to throw up. First time ever. So like I don't that might be an endorsement <laughs> for for uh Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor. Cause like it is an intentionally strange game that I think is supposed to make you feel uncomfortable, but I think it went a little too far with my body. I got a video of it playing over here. I'm looking at it. You can you can you can visualize how that might make you feel sick. Yeah, it's a little bit it's a little warbly and wobbly, yeah. I yeah, love that hotel Wi Fi, so it's kinda it's colors just, are kinda frozen. strange. The other time that I'm I, I just remembered was uh Brandon, you were with me. This was a or maybe it was Chris Graff that was with me. It was a demo of Same the thing. Oculus Rift. Yeah. Uh were you were you were you there for that? No, I don't I don't know. It was uh must have been Carmack was giving the demo. And it was very, very early, and it was just an environment you could just float through, um, and there was no clipping. And uh, whoever was giving the demo said, whatever you do, just don't like put your face into a wall. And that's, of course, the first thing I did. Right. <laughs> yes. said that, and uh, it did make me want to throw up for a second. Nice. I think I'm probably over that now, because VR is no longer a new thing, but yeah. I haven't spent a whole bunch of time in in VR, but uh, I was always kind of. I don't think you need to. Yeah, it's just not that interesting to me. I, I people keep trying to convince me that it is, and that it's, you know, it's going to have these unique experiences. But you know, um, unless they wind up becoming more than one Half Life, Alex, that's like right. you have to play this in here, and it, this is important. Then yeah. You know, I mean, I actually do kind of want to play that Half-Life Alex sure. somehow. I, I would rent an Airbnb for a week right now if all it was was a room with that setup. Oh, yeah. That's, that'd be a good deal. Yeah. My, my PC can handle the VR, so I'm thinking if I could borrow a VR headset or whatever from somebody for a couple days, I would play that game. 
yeah, I would rather spend more money to just experience the stuff than to try to own it, even though my computer could probably run it just fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I, I, I just don't have any VR hardware. And I also have my, my eyeball problems. Kind of makes it hard to enjoy VR. I have to be sitting a specific distance from a TV in order to... Uh, uh, and I need a specific angle of my head in order to see it 100%. Once I see it 100%, rest assured, dear listener... I uh, I can see twenty twenty as long as I'm in the right position. Okay, I just need a position. So uh, calm down on the comments. Everyone. Yeah, everybody, calm down. I, I I'm not. I my vision is still okay. It's just I require a little bit of a positionality. I need to be sitting on the right hand side of the sofa. Well, how about your tummy? How's your tummy, dude? Does it does it want to throw up? No. Well, here's here's the thing. I have never never experienced a visceral motion sickness reaction to any video game since my first 10 minutes playing Wolfenstein. Mm. Wolfenstein being the first 3D video game that I played that was Just really 3D. broke you in right away. I'd played, you know, Star Wars, the arcade game and whatever. And I, I played Afterburner, for God's sake. Space Harrier. You know, I played all those. Afterburner 2 in the arcade. Outrun. I played all those games. Outrun seems like it has some serious motion sickness potentiality, but because uh, uh, of all those billboarded sprites whipping past. But Wolfenstein was the one that actually made me a little queasy. Oh, but me too. A- after playing a little bit of it, it was all gone. And then when Doom came out, and uh, our friend of the show, Brent Porter, often says that when he played games on 3DS, he said the top of the 3D was... Uh, like, the, the, the highest 3D setting wasn't even 3D enough for him. He wants to really just jack it up and feel sick looking at it. He played the Virtual Boy, you know? He he made a setup so that he could lie down while playing the Virtual Boy. Yeah. He, he's 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 really like, if if it'll hurt me, give it to me. Yeah, <laughs> if it'll he mess up my eyeballs. Visceral experience possible, as does Bennett Foddy, who also craves visceral uh, gut-wrenching experiences in video games. So... I, I don't really feel like that exactly, but I feel like I've got just uh, whatever else I may lack athletic prowess wise. I feel like I've got kind of an iron stomach for uh, for video game motion. I also played the Virtual Boy. I had a setup for my Virtual Boy to hover over my head as well. It involved, uh, it, let's not get into it. it, it involved having it just propped up on a couple piles of pillows, but uh, it was it was fun. But I had my own, you know, I played those games, and uh, I didn't feel, uh, I don't know, I liked the feeling of, of the viscerality of it. And that's why I love playing my video games at 240 frames per second on my Alienware monitor. You put that game Dusk up on your PC, on uh, if you have a TV that does 120 hertz, 1080p, 65 inches of that, gut-wrenching. In a good way. Not sponsored by Alienware yet. No throw upiness though. Me no throw up. All right. Me just feel real good about the gut wrenching. We are open to sponsors. It's like the hot sauce <laughs> of video games is what it's like. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, there you go. On what occasions have game developers genuinely learned from their mistakes? Oh, never, maybe. I don't know. They have. They have. But it Well, it's... if any video game developer had ever learned from their mistakes, we wouldn't have no more video games. Woo! Hey. Uh, Kaboom! It's I have a an odd relationship with this question because you know I spent eight something years 
working at Game Developer Magazine, learning from everyone's mistakes and reading more of them than probably most people because they don't your, know your that. cover feature every month yes was about mistakes that people made indeed at least partially yeah uh-huh. and uh you know i was also making games at the time or working on them making it makes it sound like i did it all myself and then i started my game studio quit my job at game developer and then just made a bunch of those mistakes you know uh-huh. like it's so friggin' stupid <laughs> it's just <laughs> you know it's it's so hard once you get into the human space of doing things to apply the things that you know objectively i th- i think we're going to talk about more of this stuff in an upcoming show but you know interpersonal employee problems for example that seems so uh straightforward and understandable on paper become a real odd minefield of a situation when you need someone to do work but also they're a problem etc in a way i'm interested in people that don't learn from their mistakes like there's there's that one developer who made the game psycho fox and then made the game magical hat adventure which which got turned into decap attack and uh, they also made sonic and they just continued to uh, not Sonic, Socket, which is very Sonic-like. <laughs> I was very confused. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah sorry, I, th- I threw everyone for a second. <laughs> There's also a, an NES game that's Psycho Fox, basically. Right, I right. Rem- I don't and remember what it's called. They just kept making that thing regardless of whether people were really into it. <laughs> Look, man, people love to swing on the trees. Yeah. <laughs> I'm convinced if they just took the time to learn to <laughs> swing on the trees... <laughs> This would be the new platform. If you like gigantic floaty jumps, here it comes. I mean, it's, it's, I love it. They didn't learn from their, (laughs) from anything and they just kept making it. And, and there are four, at least four of those games. And it's like, what the heck? Well, the only people who like those games are the Master System fans who are like, well, there's six games and I gotta like something. Yeah. Well, but also Decap Attack got like an Archie Comics strip thing you know like it became what? one of the games it did no it didn't right jeffy it was in the it was in the archie uh sonic comics it, they would have it was like, probably in the uk sonic the comic probably not the archie comics uh, maybe not my guess ones. but it, it was definitely it had like two pages every other issue or something was yeah Attack. there was a feature yeah there was a feature so you know kid chameleon uh, was in there too in streets of rage mm-hmm Okay, but, it was Sonic the Comic, which is a UK okay. comic that had nothing to do with the Archie. My mistake, so. but still. There's no there's no rules there, so that doesn't true. surprise me. That's true. I guess I think also of uh, free-to-play games, I do think a lot of those developers learn from their mistakes in terms of UI flow and user experience. I mean, going back to a free-to-play game from uh, the early 2010s is like how did we ever put up with this kind of stuff? Working on menu flow is, I think, one of of the places that mobile game development has dramatically outpaced console game development and PC game development either, even especially with PC, because you can just be like, I've got hotkeys. I can just put a a million tabs on here. So yeah, that's that's some sort of an example, I guess. Uh, I don't have an example, but I have a follow-up, which is that according to the... uh, Sonic the Comic Wiki on fandom.com. Uh, the Decap Attack comic only came around as a result of a strip based on Chuck Rock being canceled at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, Chuck <laughs> Rock, <good>. dude. <laughs> wow. Chuck yeah, Rock. Decap Attack with Chuck Rock's understudy. I love it. Goodness. That's horrible. That's all I got on this question. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, it, it kind of <laughs> sucks that we can't think of any examples of people learning from their mistakes. Well, okay, it's it's hard to think of like objective mistakes. Yeah, objective you know, mistakes than, is the big one. That's that's yeah. getting me here. Well, I think it's like it's like you can think of like oh, you know, this sequel wasn't as good, so they went back to the formula of the first one. But I don't think of that as a mistake. It's also hard with a large scale team because absolutely, I can tell you mistakes that like a programmer learned from last time like they made this mistake and they didn't make it again but we we won't see that like the game will just run better you know what i mean right a mistake that we made that we learned from and didn't do again is we made a prototype of gunhouse when we first made it and then we kept building on that prototype and and the prototype mm. wound up becoming five different things and so the final game of Gunhouse is built like a house of cards. And you, you, there's so much stuff that we can't change because if we do, we have to rewrite the whole thing. And since, since then, we've, uh, we've rebuilt every prototype that we've made of future games to actually be like solid before we build further on it. All right. Here's our next question. Which video game characters could do Agent 47's job better than him? Oh man, the hitman? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, that guy's real good at what he does, bro. He is, and and I can think of characters that are better at the other stuff, but not the disguising part. What about I would I would have a fun time playing a for real hitman, but just the guy from spy fiction is in it as Agent 47. Like it's all sure. serious, except he's in there just chop chopping vegetables in the air. Can I just say there's something I realized about Agent 47? Sure. Okay. Uh, something I realized recently. If you scan the barcode. He's, he's, <laughs> he's one. Oh, yeah. oh, don't, oh man. Oh, I, I'll leave that up to everyone else to discover what happens. Is Agent 47 is maybe the one video game character where it, it, it makes perfect sense that he's a white man. It makes perfect sense that he's a white man. He doesn't. It, it makes like you, if you changed him to another gender or another race it wouldn't be as uh as effective because he's supposed mm. to just look like a guy that everybody would just kind of ignore right doesn't that yeah. make sense so when it he does. disguises all he has to do he's bald all he has to do is put on a hat and he just looks like a different guy makes sense and i feel like the hitman 2 the most recent hitman has a whole lot of fun with that in uh in in very very inventive and interesting ways that only so, works in i guess european and western uh like north american countries i yeah. guess though well there's um, there's a couple of scenarios everywhere else there's a couple of scenarios in well a lot of the hitman scenarios do involve him going to foreign countries where his uh he he's, he always blends in or uh, suits some expectations in a specific way. So you can't just have, like, Mario be Hitman, Agent 47, right? right? You have to have, like, I, I don't know, Agent 47's job better than him? I don't know, man. He just looks like a boring... He looks just... He can look like a boring dude, like, very easily, is his yeah, whole thing. And that that's where I'm stuck is just the disguising and the blending in. Because if you're just talking about like sneaking and taking guys out, there's a lot of better examples. Like he can't, you know, 
climb walls like Spider-Man or, or grapple like Batman or, you know, there, there's a lot of that. But again, I just get stuck on like, well, how does he blend? Yeah. Um, Spider-Man could do a lot of the aspects of Agent 47's job, but not yeah. the... A lot of it is is uh, not even people skills. It's just skills at being ignored. Yeah, it's wild. So maybe 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 Lester the unlikely. <laughs> he is quite unlikely. Yeah. What about uh, one of the props from Prop Hunt mode of Call of Duty? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> prop, I, the, 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 prop Hunt is like this mode of Call of Duty where you could be like a desk or a stop sign, and <laughs> yeah. uh, the other players have to figure out who you are in the environment. That's a little bit of a difficult, uh, difficult <laughs> scenario to imagine. <laughs> well, yeah, do, do, can the stop signs assassinate people? I don't know if anybody could do Agent 47's job. He, he needs to be agile, mobile, uh, disguisable. He needs to look boring and unassuming at times. Uh, he needs to, uh, I don't know, man. Guy's got a versatile uh, uh, range of things he has to be able to do. Yeah, the only, the only way to increase his capabilities is if he's got some kind of like hologram projector that makes him look like anything or he's actually like a shapeshifter like mystique or something but other than that i'm having a hard time thinking of how to how to improve that guy yeah nobody i mean it's it's interesting in that every hitman level is centered and grounded very firmly uh in limitations and limitations that make sense given the environment that you're in right so they're yeah. always very grounded around limitations that are like hyper specific to the environment that a level takes place in. So it's like the, the fact that he's just working with items that he has at hand, like at hand, and basically we're to understand as we uh, interpret the language of the game design and the level design and the situations, we're just to understand that this is a resourceful, adapt, uh, very uh, adaptable individual, right? And yeah. I don't know of any video game characters whose marquee feature is that they're smart and adaptable. Not canonically, anyway. I mean, you take, right. like, an Assassin's Creed assassin man guy, right? And you put him in modern times, would he possess the canonical worldliness necessary to assassinate 21st century political figures? I don't think so. If you had a murder Batman, he could probably do it. Yeah, Batman? Bat- yeah, I mean, Arkham, uh, Arkham City Batman could do it, but he's Bruce Wayne. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's canonically, Batman the character is good at disguises. He could be Matches Malone or whatever, but mm-hmm. in-game, Arkham Batman doesn't do that stuff. You can't so just... I don't think that counts. What's that game where you can possess, like, dog food bowls and stuff? Dog oh, food are you, bowls? Are you talking about Ghost Trick? No. Um, uh, are you talking about that Capcom PS2 game where you're aliens that possess things? Yeah. You're talking about David Perry's Messiah? Oh, that, yeah, that, what was that called? That alien possessed things one? I don't remember. It had a fun look to it. It really felt like the end of that big head, big hands, tiny limbs era. I, I think Sam Fisher from your, uh, your Splinter Cell is probably the closest. It's a boring answer. Solid yeah. Snake, boring answer, but it just has to be a boring dude. Yeah. Let's go on to our lightning round. Those are always pretty boring. Uh, I love <laughs> okay. it boring. Yeah. Big vote of confidence. This one is called Designer Drinks. Uh, Frank, you invented the sweary, which is one part whiskey in a diner coffee mug. Right. I'm going to name some other game developers, and the three of you are going to come up with custom drinks for each of them. 
Wait, who's sweary? Is he that game developer who likes coffee and uh, drinking? That's a joke. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, we begin with the Sid Meier. Oh, no. Well, uh, Sid Meier's all about interesting choices. So well, I does it say, have to be called the Sid Meier, or can, can we call it Sid Meier's Civilization? You can call it Sid Meier's custom drink. Sid Meier's beverage. Well, so Sid Meier made, he made Pirates, he made yeah. Civilization. He Railroad made Tycoon. Centauri, Railroad Tycoon. So basically, Sydney's Sid Meier, and he loves interesting choices, so I'm going to say it's a... Uh, it's uh, it's a little Hawaiian punch, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, what else? What else? Because Hawaiian <laughs> punch. Why, why are we starting with the Hawaiian? That's punch. it. Well, <laughs> I I recently concocted a cocktail that was uh, presumed to not work, but worked quite well, which was uh, peanut butter whiskey and calamansi juice, and uh, a little of something else that I oh no, and some soda of some kind. That was the third ingredient, and it winds up tasting like a uh, caramel apple artificial candy. And uh, I tell you what, those are some interesting choices that come together in an unusual way, so I would go for that. Okay. I just gotta say, that drink sounds stupid. <laughs> but that's, that's just me with every uh, every time somebody talks about a drink they invented. I'm like, okay, man. I once mixed 7-Up and, and we'll see Dr. It Pepper until you get to a developer that uh, I mean, that's what we're being asked to do right now, yeah. so you're gonna say that for every yeah. one of these? Yeah, well, oh, that's that's what I'm going to say for every one of these. Oh, yeah. your next Let's developer is the Sakaguchi. Oh, Sakaguchi. Well, okay, this one actually needs to have Hawaiian punch in it, because <laughs> the man lives in Hawaii. He does. Okay. The man lives in Hawaii. What and do you, you know mix what? with Hawaiian He's punch? He's got a little mustache, so it has to be a martini glass as well. Okay. I don't make the rules. Not so, It's not some tropical luau drink. Because I mean, he's it, got his Tokyo classiness. It sounds like it if you've got Hawaiian punch in it. Like, you can't... No. What what alcohol can you put in Hawaiian punch to make it... I mean, it... any one, but you can't undo the, the fruitiness with Hawaiian punch. Well, that's uh, good. That's where we... That's that's just how it goes. Okay, I would have to put some uh, Campari in there to... Some bitters to yeah, get it. Yeah, get some bitter in, yeah. Yeah, um... Oh, so you're using that as, like, the the sugar part, yes. right? So so that's, okay. I, I, I'm with you here. Yeah, for uh, each of so, these drinks, I have to choose the non-alcohol. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's the caveat here. All right. The American... I, I, had, I had another answer yeah. for Sakaguchi. Um, yeah, okay. He, he's the Smash Bros. bro, right? Am I wrong? No, wrong. he's Final Fantasy. Oh, that guy. Okay, never mind that. All right. The yeah. American McGee. Oh, wait, was that, was that just uh, Hawaiian Punch and Kampire? That's going to be terrible. Oh, that's um, yeah. 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 In a martini glass, yes. Let's, let's just uh, throw some gin in there and then okay. call it. Okay. Not whiskey? No. Not so- okay. <laughs> uh, wait, what are we doing the now? American oh, the American McGee. McGee. So what ties Alice? him together other than, than being, like, the, the Tim Burton type? Oh, well, he's, he's also now um, alt-right. Uh, <laughs> oh, good. Oh, and so... So let's um, emphasis let's give on the him... first name, I guess, huh? Yeah. yeah. Let's give him like a uh, what's one like a Colt Forty Five, one of those really American terrible drinks. Um, I think Colt Forty Five is pretty good. It's like yeah, America. Yeah. Uh, so Colt... really? well, Budweiser. Budweiser is the most uh, American. Okay. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's just it's just that Budweiser is okay. Yeah. But and that's th- fine. And now we need some like Tim Burton in there, so we c- it can be <laughs> Budweiser. And Mountain Dew. <laughs> you got that green color. I think like black Mountain Dew. Yeah. And it have to be served in uh uh in a in a in a in a steampunk hat. <laughs> the Yu oh, Suzuki. Man. 
A little steampunk mm. hat, huh? Yu Suzuki. Yu Suzuki's okay. an old man. So yeah. it's probably like. Uh, I think it's just bourbon on the rocks. I was just gonna say the exact same thing. <laughs> one of one of those um, uh, the the rocks are actually one of those uh, ice spheres that you see in the Yakuza games. You can't just you can't just make it a, an existing drink. It has to be unique to him. Yeah, so I think in each to... ice cube is a small Sega toy. No, <laughs> how about this? The guy was big on the blue skies, man. He kind of created the blue skies. Got to okay. give him something blue in there, like blue yeah. curacao, blue ice rocks. What, whatever, whatever that stuff is that they put in the drinks at the bars where it's blue. I don't know what I, that is. I was gonna say, you know, rather than having, you know, it be an existing drink, Yu Suzuki can spend eighty million dollars creating his <laughs> own bourbon <laughs> that that only it, you know, and uh, but it has to be really complicated, really to drink complicated it, process. Full reactive eyes entertainment. And uh, with every with the purchase of each one, you get a free a free leather jacket. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and the way that you order a second one is it's, you'll say maybe I'll have another, <laughs> and then you wait like eighteen years for it. <laughs> yeah, the Gabe Newell. Gabe Newell. Oh, big Gabe. Okay. Basically, whatever Santa Claus would drink because he looks like Santa Claus now. That's so true. Milk. When 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 I think of Gabe Newell, I think of how Valve just chases the money and doesn't kind of stick to its own business plan. Okay. But I don't know how to translate that into a drink because it's got to be one drink. Right. Bud Light. <laughs> Chasing the money. Oh, actually, you know, maybe it's just like three competing liquors that'll make you sick. Oh yeah, so like vo- vodka, gin. Wait, vodka, whiskey, and. oh god (laughs) all together yeah okay not that they do all this stuff at once but they yeah they now they're in the game development again i don't know how long is that gonna last the miyamoto shigeru miyamoto yeah you mean big shigeru yeah Uh, big shiggy it's got mushrooms in it oh (laughs) yeah well okay i i think that kombucha is, what he's what's, what's he's what he's real into is things like coins and presents, yeah. like things that you look at and you're like, oh, that's for me. And he yeah. plays the banjo. Mm. So it's got to have a Kentucky moonshine in it. <laughs> <laughs> really throwing us for some loops here, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> he does play the banjo. Yeah, he does. Uh, Kentucky moonshine and some coins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that copper I mean, taste. Oh man, there's, there's, there's a five well. there's a five hundred yen Japanese coin uh, at the bottom of the glass. Yeah, I agree with that. That's it's it's dropped in like an Alka Seltzer. I like but it. But from like from like the the bartender, they have to drop it from like their head height. Okay, and uh, moonshine, and then um, kombucha is the mixer because that's basically a giant mushroom result. Ah, the result of a it's mushroom fermented of a sort. Yeah. Yes. So okay. The Ken Levine. Oh mm. man, it's just uh, some water and uh, and a ground up blank DVD. Seawater, seawater. Just uh, some dust. Seawater and a ground up DVD, and then a drop of isopropyl uh, <laughs> distributed from an ice drop. That's the alcohol. There you go. It's okay. alcohol that you can't actually drink. Uh, and then some crumpled up potato chip. Right, I was waiting for that. <laughs> to represent the potato chips that you eat out of the garbage. Yeah, I was thinking vodka, because that's made from potatoes, right? Ah, the potato chip of drinks, I suppose. Yeah. Well, Bioshock is the raw potato of video games. Right. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh man, get owned by Okay, so maybe some undistilled vodka. <laughs> Uh, no, a drop maybe. of isopropyl from an eyedropper. All right. Isopropyl alcohol. I'm, I'm fine with this. Uh, the, the Shinji Mikami. Oh, big Shinj. Okay, so uh, a bunch of pig's blood. No, not really, but uh, mm. but maybe. Uh, it has to have a Jill sandwich, a master of unlocking. There has to be evil within it. Evil within it. A little bit of goof troop. Gorf- <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Goofy T. <laughs> Did you know that Goofy's wife is dead? What? <laughs> he has a son, and then there's just no wife? Uh, I want to take just a quick second here to talk about Goofy's wife. Yeah. I'm pausing the show. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, please. So, Go ahead. You know, as, as we know, Goofy's wife is dead. And, uh, Straight up dead, yeah. I, uh, I I once looked up, like, what do we know about Goofy's wife? Goofy and Keith. Fans have put together a timeline of, 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 of Goofy and his wife and when she died and stuff like that on a wiki that implies that every single goofy cartoon from like the 30s and 40s when he's just you know randomly a dad sometimes or he plays sports or whatever all of those are canon yeah Mm -hmm. and the one time he danced with a lady in one of those that's max's mom sure wild so there is an extended disney universe that any disney short is part of somehow that they try to fit together. And of so. all the characters in Disney's uh, vintage uh, golden age, whatever cartoon history to be dead, it is Goofy's wife. Yeah. I'm Goofy's pretty wife. sure that that lady that ones. Goofy dances with is the mother of Goofy Jr., who only appears in those shorts, who is a completely discreet character from Max, who we meet in Goof Troop. Not according to these folks. Um, Shinji Mikami. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pig yeah, what's Shinji Mikami loves Mikami. Goofy. A little bit of blueberry waffle syrup. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Some coffee. Sure. All right, so is the coffee well, sort he's of from, like He's this... from Osaka. Okay. Uh, like Much like uh, Shigeru Miyamoto is from Kyoto, the 500 yen coin in Osaka is a popular gesture uh, of the hand to show that one is uh, having a, a, a fruitful phase in their career. So perhaps- okay, so what if it's what is what if it's the five hundred yen coin, but made of some kind of flavor that dissolves into the drink? Oh man, some sort of fruit tablet. Yeah, like <laughs> kind of Alka Seltzer. You mentioned Alka Seltzer before, so maybe it bubbles like that. Can I just say, why don't we have an Alka Seltzers for fun? Why does Alka Seltzer <laughs> have to be a medicinal? <laughs> well, you know, there's there are these uh, fun one. There are these electrolyte <laughs> tablets that you can put into a drink, and it. I put oh. it into water, and then it just turns it into, like, a fizzy electrolyte beverage. Oh, tell Ooh. me more. Alka-Seltzer, please sponsor us. We'll have a lot of fun with it. Uh, I'll send you a link later. Those are pretty good. I was I was going to build up to a joke about emergency. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> which is, well, the closest I've found is emergency, which, when mixed with water, produces a so delightful I, beverage. <laughs> I think Shinji Mikami is, like, a, a, a really dark amber Alka-Seltzer tablet dropped into vodka and a little pig's blood on the side can i just say that i i knew shinji mikami personally for several years and worked with him uh uh quote unquote worked with him on something and uh he loved those japanese convenience store energy drinks uh okay uh, uh the little tiny glass bottles you know which ones i'm talking about i yeah. do they got the vitamin b they got the niacin in them here's here's what i think he would actually do I think he would get one of those one of those energy drinks, perhaps even the hangover cure one. He loves whiskey. And, and he, then he, he liked would... to drink this Ukon uh this tumor this turmeric one. So it was yeah. a turmeric drink. And he loves whiskey. 
So that's that's my. I don't know. Okay. Turmeric, whiskey, and Alka Seltzer. I was going to say <laughs> that he might take one of those energy drink beverages and just mix it with one of the single serving sake cups that they got because that seems like the kind of the thing. Ozeki would... one cup? Yeah. yeah, that you would slam before getting back to work, which seems like what he would probably do. The Molyneux. Okay, Molyneux. <laughs> it's just water, but uh, he tells you it's, it's vodka. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, agree. That sounds right. <laughs> and finally, the Hideo Kojima. Oh, well, okay, so I actually went to a party hosted by Hideo Kojima in Manhattan, and uh, they were serving a whole bunch of drinks that Kojima had apparently made himself, and I didn't take a picture of the menu, (laughs) because I don't care. (laughs) Um, But I had a Diet Cola, and I asked the bartender, can you just prepare it uh, with all the extra items that you would give this other drink? And there was a little tiny plastic baby doll floating in the Diet Coke. So that's my Kojima drink. It's a Diet okay. Coke with a plastic, tiny plastic baby doll floating in it. I tweeted a pic of it, I believe. Kind of seems like an existing drink to me. Just yeah. a Diet Coke. Yeah. yeah, well, there was there were drinks that he had done that were like Kojima made this drink. He designed this drink. So there was like, there was a drink. God darn it. I think it would be very yellow so that it could be like that baby fluid in, um, in Death Stranding. Oh, yeah. I think it tastes like gasoline. His games taste like gasoline to me. Okay, so some uh, some artificial smoke powder will actually help. There it is. Right. Yeah, I like that. Um, artificial p- smoke powder. So, so some... Uh, well, I don't know if it comes in powdered form. It comes in, like, droplets. Yeah, sorry, I meant smoke droplets. That's what I well, meant. Well, so seeing as Death Stranding is the most recent Hideo Kojima game, and I played that game about one and a half times, let me just say that whatever the drink is, it has to be on the rocks. Mm. Okay. There's a lot okay. of rocks in that game. So I'm gonna say it's it's a maybe a smoky tequila with okay. with a little extra smoke droplet in there, uh, some yellow food dye so it can be yellow uh, on the rocks. At the end. <laughs> I, I think we throw in that baby and the baby, of course. I'm oh, calling this baby one doll. a tie. Everybody wins. Yeah, we'll figure out what that means next week. Tim, you already gave your recommendation earlier in the show, so do either of uh, you, Frank or Brandon, have some end-of-show recommendations? This, this is only a third of a recommendation. Okay. Um, I watched the first 30 minutes of a movie called No One Lives, which stars the lady who played Heather from the Silent Hill movie, which we brought up earlier. And it's a slasher film with where you can see where it's going, but you keep being like, they're not really going to do that, are they? And then they do. Um, The first, you know, I've looked at reviews and audiences and reviewers both hate it. So maybe it takes a real downturn, but for now it's got this real kinetic energy and feels really bizarre. Like the, the setup of it is there's some evil biker dudes that are trying to commit some, perpetrate whatever crime they can do and then they come across this guy and his girlfriend and uh, they wind up the girlfriend winds up dying and uh, they find another woman in the trunk of this guy's car and she's like did you kill him is he dead and then she sees that he's not dead and she's like we're all gonna die (laughs) so like the premise is the person whose girlfriend got killed is now gonna come and kill all these bikers and it has just begun and it's pretty ridiculous. So uh unless the the back half of it turns terrible somehow, uh this is my 
recommendation of the first third of a movie. Yeah. Uh, recommendation <laughs> for a movie you haven't finished yet. Great. That's right. <laughs> Heck yeah, dude. I like that. What's it called? Uh, Bumbos? What's it? It's no called one No lives. One Lives. No One Lives? Bumbos? Not No One Lives Forever, the video game. Right. Just No One Lives. Oh, no One Lives Forever. No. Yeah, no. So, uh... In our house, we just kind of put on some Spotify playlists once in a while, just listen to some random music that we don't have to think about, you know? And on one such playlist, the song I Put a Spell on You by Screamin' Jay Hawkins oh, came yeah. on. You, you guys know this song? Song rules. Yeah. And I'm listening to this song, and I'm like, who is this guy? What, what are his other songs? I have no idea. So I looked the dude up, and there was a documentary about Screamin this guy. Screamin' Jay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Screamin' Jay Hawkins. Uh, there's a documentary made about this guy called Screaming Jay Hawkins. What I put a spell on me, and it's from 2001, and it's just straight up on YouTube. It's just like really high quality on YouTube for free. Uh, you just go watch it. I'll watch that. Interesting guy. Interesting yeah, guy. Definitely. His music was actually very genuine. Very complicated man that you, you kind of don't like uh, philosophically, but also his actual war stories of murdering people. Uh, that you listen to are like, okay, maybe I'll just let you have that perspective mm. on life. It's cool. Murder bones, um, dude. And uh, <laughs> Tim's recommendation right. is for murder. You know, and he's someone who was just like, yeah. after that song in 1957, he was just in obscurity for decades. Uh, and he sort of not really had a comeback, but, you know, started touring again in his like 60s with punk bands. Yeah, I would listen to Screaming Jay Hawkins. Yeah, you, you, should, you should check it out. He there's, was on, there's some good he was stuff. on the Colgate Hour. That's not that's not true. That was a reference to something. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Great. You, other sure. songs you should listen to by to by him include uh, "She Put the Whammy on Me" and "Alligator yeah. Wine." Those are two his real good ones. So wait, I good. put a spell on you, and she put the whammy on me. I know. <laughs> then wh- who am I putting a spell on? That's a good question. <laughs> right. He's- He's got a, he's got a, he's also got a, forget the name of it, but he's got a pretty good, very genuinely hurtful song about being constipated. Oh yeah, yeah that's oh, a good God. one. It was a single <laughs> of his too. Yeah. He sang that one on the Colgate Hour as well. Yeah, I think that's the Constipation so, Blues. Uh, so anyway, just really quick, the, the name of the movie again was Screaming Jay Hawkins, I Put a Spell on Me. I might on watch YouTube. that. Uh, I have yeah, a recommendation to make. Uh, my recommendation is that if you enjoy this podcast, you should try giving us a rating. And a review on one of your favorite podcast distributing platforms, be that Apple or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever that may be. It helps us a lot. It raises our visibility and it gets the correct opinions out there about video games and everything in its periphery. You can support the show directly on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash insert credit. You can get our episodes a day early that way and submit questions day early. for future episodes. Yeah. <laughs> A whole day early. So if you prefer to get your episodes one day before this one, that's how you do it. You can get custom colors if you go to forums.insertcredit.com, which is where people hang out and talk about the show with Brandon usually. And sometimes I pop in to look at what you're doing. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We all have cool Twitter feeds. The show is at Insert Credit. I'm at Alex Jaffe. Frank is at Frank Cifaldi. Tim is at 108, and Brandon is at Necrosofty. Yeah. Uh, we're, come on by and have a good time. I'm Alex Jaffe. <laughs> I'm Frank Cifaldi. I'm Tim Rogers. I'm Brandon Sheffield. This show is edited by Blaine Brown, and your game has now been saved. Every elephant that has ever died. Wow. wow.